everyone, and welcome to Everyday Androvian, a podcast to help us walk closer with Jesus. And today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Vanessa Wong. Vanessa, good morning. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Really good. Um, doing okay in these uncertain times, and uh, hopefully in this interview, we can shed a bit of light on, on your life, and, and that'll be really encouraging. So the, the first thing we wanted to ask you is, is just to give us a bit of background about yourself. So tell us about your situation in life, um, where you're from, what do you like doing, and also what do you get up to during the week? Normally, in a normal week, what would you get up to? These are abnormal times. Kind These of. are abnormal times. So These what would you get up to normally? very challenging times, yeah. So uh, I'm a mum to three children. My husband and I, Adrian, uh, we live down in Willoughby. Cool. Um, and my children are age 17, 14, and 11. Um, so they're spread across a few different schools up here on the North Shore. My typical week, uh, I currently work three days a week for a cardiology practice at yep. Warunga. And the rest of the time, I do a little bit of personal training of a morning before the kids get off to school. And it's really running around after the kids. They do a lot of sporting activities and, um, and music practice and things like that. So yeah. my husband and I are taxi services for... Yeah, yeah. yeah are you the trainer or the trainee, Vanessa, in the personal I training? am the trainee, yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, so with uh, having three children who are all double digits now, mm-hmm. um, when you do have spare time... Mm-hmm. What, what do you like to do or maybe what do you and your husband like to do in those rare moments? Yeah, well, um, I always like to make Fridays definitely a free day. So okay. one of my strict requirements on employment is that I don't work Fridays. Nice. Uh, really enjoy uh, getting to small groups, actually. I've started in small groups here at St Andy's cool. about two years ago. Uh, it's a really good opportunity to get together with um, other women from the congregation. Um, we're all different ages and from different backgrounds, but um, it's a really good time of just uh, centering and, and focusing on what's, you know, what, what is the most important thing. Um, and so I find that quite a relaxing time, but also uh, quite an intellectually stimulating time mm. as we think about that. And then in Friday afternoons, I will usually head off to either do grocery shopping or once a month, I take an elderly lady uh, companion shopping. She is in a nursing home um, and she's in a wheelchair. So we head off down to the, the local shops and go out and have a coffee and oh, nice. she just gets some time out. So those things are really important to me to do on a Friday. Yeah. Um, and then rest of the spare time um, will really be maybe fitting in some exercise and working at the school canteen. Cool. Yeah. Wonderful. So, so you uh, mentioned <coughs> small groups. Yeah. Great way to um, speak to other Christians, get to know God a little bit more. You yourself are a Christian. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Have yeah. Have Christian for yeah. a long time, a short time? What happened? Yeah, so I'm quite recently, uh, I would call myself a Christian. I grew up in a Christian household, although they didn't practice by going to church and reading God's word. Um, but I, I would say it was more a Christian um, ancestry mm. in a way. So it didn't learn a lot from my parents growing up um, and really only came to learn more since my son started uh, at a nearby school. And when he started in kindergarten, that that school had a Friday chapel service where um, the chaplain would really give the service for the children. Um, and coming from even being an adult, but coming from a space where I didn't know a lot, I felt rather ignorant. Um, it was a really good introduction for me to learn 
you know, some of the really fundamental mm. foundational um, aspects to Christianity. And that really started, I, I'm quite a, uh, I guess, sort of a scientific person and my brain works very logically. So I just wanted to learn more about it, um, more about the, the facts as well as more about the beliefs. Mm. Um, so, so I... What was your... Um reason for sending your son to the school originally? I was an alumni of the school. Um, so it's really interesting, I think, sometimes in the way that God does work. Now I reflect upon it because it was really a decision because I had been to that school that, you know, and I felt comfortable. That felt like a, a home to me, that school. Um, and so he started there. It was never at that point really for a Christian upbringing per, per se. Um, but that was the introduction. It's almost like God put me on that path and then through my son, these doors opened up to me. Um, And uh, one of the, uh, I guess, sort of the most inspiring people I had at that time was that junior school chaplain. Mm. And um, he made things very easy and simple to understand um, and engaging enough that I wanted to keep coming to chapel every Friday, not just for the social aspect, which is what a lot of mums might start out doing, um, especially as somebody, as a child just starts school. And then through that, I was invited to do some parent courses because that chaplain could see that I had a thirst to understand more. And I was wrestling with um, wanting to make an informed decision. I didn't want to make a decision that I didn't believe, um, nor that I did believe without having enough information and enough evidence to point me one way or the other. Mm. Um, So that started my journey Mm -hmm. um, and small groups um, then have played a really important role for me uh, because I came to them still from a perspective that I still was on a very steep learning curve and I needed to use that forum to understand from other women, okay, what would they, you know, what does Christianity say about this? And um, you know, why is it this way? So that's also aided my understanding as I've gone forward. So I find that a really valuable learning tool. Um, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Cool. Really appreciate the um, the integrity of the, the process you undertook, how you really wanted to make an informed decision and you really put yourself in the position as, as a learner. I've got to learn what this thing is before I can actually make any life commitments. Um, I'm interested in bridging um, this this gap between start getting in contact, I suppose, with, with Christianity through this chaplain and then this, this, this small group that you've joined. Uh, how did you get in contact with St. Andrew's Wurunga with this, with this small group? Could you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so it, it all happened very gradually. It certainly didn't happen with the Big Bang for me where I just signed up, came along and, and that was it. Um, they were baby steps along the way. So first step for me was doing some of those parent courses. And then on one of those parent courses through the school, um, I had been given some references, some websites to look at, some other things that I'd asked about. I went away at that point, did some research on my own, would come back the next week, right. say what I'd learned. So it was a very um, kind of a scaffolded um, learning process for me. And at the end of one particular course, I thought I would head off and try some churches. Mm. 
and I went off on my own and um, and tried it and I and I don't feel I was really there yet to fully understand what the minister was actually saying. Mm. I found it hard to relate to what he was saying. So it, it seemed like a bit of a failed attempt at that point. I, I felt I wasn't ready to go to church at mm. that point. I needed to learn some more before I could go along and just, you know, I guess passively listen. Mm. And so I did another course. Um, and then at that point, I asked the people on that course, you know, what, what church do you go to? Because I've, I'd tried two or three by that stage that I just didn't feel were, were pitched at the right level for where yep. my knowledge was at or my beliefs. And they had mentioned, a few of them mentioned they came to St. Andy's. And um, the person that was running that course also was a member at St. Andy's. And um, he offered to take me to my local church. Um, which was nowhere near where he lived. And I said, no, I'm going to drive from Willoughby to, to Warunga because if that's the church you go to and I understand what you're speaking about, you must understand what they're speaking about. So that's, that's a safe bet for me. That's where I'm going to start. So I drove up and, and, you know, I don't remember really whether it was Andrew or Pete doing the very first sermon, but I feel like I never looked back. I never wavered after that first sermon because mm. I understood everything they were saying. Um, I could relate to it because they made it very structured. They put a structure around their sermon that I could follow. I could make notes on it. Um, and they always related the Bible readings back to how we could apply it in our life. And so that made it all very relevant. It wasn't just talking about something that happened 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago and um, – it was about how we need to apply it today and how we can change our lives um, for the better if we do that. So I was getting a lot out of those Sunday mornings at 9.45 service until I think I heard about small groups. And at that point, I had Friday mornings free. And I don't actually recall who invited me, but I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a go because it gives me another, I think I might've been feeling sorry for the ministers because I was asking them lots of questions and I thought, wow, they're getting kind of really hammered with all of my really tough questions. And I felt like I'd cornered (laughs) them and I thought, you know, maybe if I go along somewhere else and I spread my questions out a little bit, (laughs) it won't be so burdensome and they won't wish me away. So I think I came along to that and that was really great because there were women there at all different stages of their journey as a Christian. And so some of the more, um, I guess, more knowledgeable um, members were really able to help me and they just had patience and I could ask anything without feeling judged. I could ask anything without fearing that I was being disrespectful. Mm. Um, And so that was a, yeah, it was a really good really good um, supplementary way for me to learn as well as come and just listen to the sermons because um, you also have to be more active in a small group. You, you get, it's more dynamic, I guess, the, the environment rather than just sit and listen and somebody talk to you, mm. you're actually discussing and it's going backwards and forwards, which I like that way of learning as well. Yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. Sounds like you had a lot of questions. I, yep. I'm just curious, like, what are the, well, I guess, what were the key questions that when they fell into place, mm-hmm. you thought, right, I can actually follow Jesus for myself? Right. So I had always um, questioned, I guess, things that um, we as humans today would say are impossible. So I very much questioned um, the resurrection. Mm. So it's like, look, 
you know, um, that's all good and well to say that somebody rose again, but really where's the evidence for that? Um, I think just, I always thought a whole bunch of Jesus's followers just made that up so that, you know, they appeared right. Um, and so that just seemed completely implausible to me. And I'd grown up in the Australian, you know, education system where our science teachers had taught us, you know, um, quite rigorously that, you know, there's the theory of evolution. Um, and we looked into Darwinism and we looked into lots of different um, ways that scientists will look at proof and evidence. And I think it it was either explicitly stated or at least implied that science could not coexist with any religion uh, because it couldn't be scientifically backed up. And my mind is very much um, geared towards quite, a, it's dominant on the logical side and I don't believe anything that somebody just tells me or something that's written, um, that I need to look at sources as being credible and I need to look at evidence and I need to look at different arguments for why things may hold enough water and may not. Um, and I had never gone searching until a few years ago for, um, I guess, arguments and sources to help me decide. I had just gone along in life feeling it didn't have a lot of relevance for me one way or the other. Um, and never had time there was always reasons why yeah it just it just never felt relevant um and it wasn't until the last few years where I really actively sought out to find out what Christians would say in response to some of these tougher questions that there are actually answers um and there's real evidence and people have done the work um for instance like Lee Strobel who who wrote a great book called The Case for the Creator he was an investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune and he was a non-believer he actually set out to um kind of invalidate his wife's Christian beliefs that she had just developed. So he set out to do a whole bunch of research and and evidence to prove Christianity was just a load of bunk, really. Um, and in the course of all of that research he did over a year or two years, he was absolutely flawed himself that he came to the only conclusion that there could be, which was that it actually stands up um, to, you know, um, I guess sort of accusations that it that it's yeah, yeah. not real and that yeah, those things haven't happened. So there is good evidence yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah, on a number of different fronts. Um, what was it like when you kind of realised that or sort of going from a, a sceptical view and then going, hold on. Yeah, what, I what couldn't, I couldn't, like? yeah, it was, it was a little bit confronting and I was a mm. little bit angry when I especially started reading Strobel's evidence. He goes through blood evidence, fingerprint evidence. He goes through it like a forensic, um, you know, um, research project and uh, goes into some of the scientific frauds that have taken place over time that children are still being taught in schools and, and so I was quite angry that we had, I, I feel a little bit misled um, in some ways and wondering why, okay, like why, why are we censoring some of the things that are in the education system why, and realising that obviously humans have different agendas but feeling very much like I'd been fed selected censored information um, through, yeah, through my life 
and I get a little bit annoyed with things like that because I, I'm always in the search for the truth, um, no matter how ugly or how uh, confronting that is. For me, truth is the most important thing um, because otherwise you're lying to yourself. You're like, what is there to hold on to if you don't have truth, right? So, um, so I think uncovering that, I, there was also then just relief. Um, but but also it was a little scary that I felt like in some ways I just stumbled across it. Um, now I realize I hadn't just stumbled across it. God plays a hand in these things. And, and um, it was through his grace that, that he put those things in front of me or at least in my path for me to find. So, yeah, so yeah, a, a lot of mixed emotions after reading some of those revealing um, points of research that people like Strobel had come up with and other people as well. Um, so the information's out there. Um, you have to obviously go and actively look for it and seek it. And you have to look at both sides of the argument. I've read both sides because in order to um, validate what you think is right, you have to look at the opposing argument. Yeah. Cool. You mentioned this um, this fact that God, in His grace, uh, put these things in front of you. Another thing that God does in His grace is that He He saves us to be a, a people. You mentioned earlier that you're part of the nine forty five congregation. Uh, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about uh, why you find that helpful. What you like about going to that service? I mean, yeah. ap- apart from the fantastic preaching, yes, uh, yes. from our yep. ministers that, yep. you've, that you've already mentioned, <laughs> the, the yeah. great musicians, yeah, the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I I really like the service because, um, and I know we live here in Warunga and we're on the North Shore, and sometimes it can feel a little bit like a bubble, um, and that we are very blessed in in our environment. But the service, um, it's called a family service, but there are people there that aren't necessarily, you know, your your stereotypical family with children. There are couples that come. It also um, crosses a range of ages and generations. So I love the fact that I get to talk to people from um, not my generation, younger Mm. people and older people, um, and get their perspective because there's a lot to learn from them. And... And so, yeah, so there are, there are young families, there are older families, and there's also people from a diverse range of backgrounds. There are people from all different countries, I think, at our service. Um, people with thick accents, people with no accents, people that live part of the year overseas and come back for six months of the year here. So they're really interesting to talk to as well. So um, I think it just shows that God, he never intended to just choose one race and one select group and keep that keep keep his truth just to that select group he actually wanted to bring nations and all peoples back together so even though we look different and we sound different and we're from different generations we're all common in that we that we believe in him and we're following him. So that's what I like about the 945 service besides the great preaching. And I love the songs. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it's a very welcoming group as well. Um, They're very open-minded. People are interested in chatting and talking and helping others to learn Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Is there something you can share with us that you've been looking at in the Bible recently that's been encouraging you just in the last little while? Um, Well, we have been studying Ephesians, um, not just on Sunday service, but also for Friday small groups. So we've been doing that remotely now, given the the coronavirus situation. Um, What I actually use, I 
I know it's probably um, the right thing is to open the Bible and read directly from the Bible. I actually like to read from the Bible, but in a slightly different way. So I've got a couple of good books um, and they might be devotional. So you might just be opening a day and you're reading a verse from the Bible at the top and then it will talk about how you can apply it. So I have those by my bedside and every now and, you know, it might be throughout the day or at night before I go to bed, I might just flick open one of those. Um, So rather than read the Bible from start to finish in a reading, like we might on a Sunday or on a Friday, I will look throughout the week at, okay, what what is the Bible saying about this? What is the Bible saying about that? Um, So, yeah, so Corinthians was a, um, there's a book that uh, one of the congregation lent me on Corinthians and each page goes through it, um, but does a little talk, almost a sermon Mm -hmm. written about each verse. So I like to read in that way. Um, I also do use um, one thing that really helped me to learn more was an on-site, uh, an online um, resource called the Bible Project. Oh, it's yes. a couple of guys in America that um, come up with visual um, animations in a way for understanding different parts of the Bible, either by theme or by book, and has been a really great resource to really understand in a nutshell um, you know, why God did what he did, when he did it, how he did it. Um, so that's also been really good at consolidating my learning in a way. Yeah. And uh, in, in closing, I suppose we, we, we've, we've got to touch on this issue that's going on. That's why mm-hmm. we had these lines earlier on about what, what do you normally do? Of course, it's not normal times. Uh, could you yeah. briefly explain to us how has the coronavirus situation uh, impacted your life? Well, we, we have been rather blessed, I think, in our household, specifically at the moment. Um, it hasn't impacted it, I would say, negatively at this point. Um, we are working from home and the children are doing school from home. Um, we've actually found, we have, as I said before, we've had a really busy, we have a busy schedule in normal times and what the virus has actually done for our family is it's actually made us stop and slow down and it's almost uncluttered our life because we've got the restrictions around us on a lot of activities not being um, able to be done. Um, It's actually meant a lot more together time for the family. Um, We, being a nutritionist as a background, I have always, um, we've always sat down and we've had family meals together when we can and that's normally just dinner but now we've got lunches together and we've got a lot slower breakfast together um we're playing board games Uh, my husband and my son head off at school lunch break they go across the road they go fishing they sit on a rock and fish Um, so my husband has more luck he evidently has a more sensitive rod that can (laughs) that can sense the fish nibbling is is that what your son (laughs) says it's it's dad's rod that's that's (laughs) yeah yeah so um so i think actually it's given us time to stop and reflect and say okay what 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 do we need to learn here what is the most important thing you know we do not need to be at westfield 
on the weekend looking at the shops. We don't need to be running around to go to the latest restaurant because we can't. Everybody's more relaxed. Everybody's getting more sleep. There's no, you know, traffic. There's no time on the roads. Um, so I, I think, and I think there's two different ways you could look at it. You could look at all of the things that it stopped us from doing um, and how it's affected that. Or you could look at all the ways in which it's, it's opened up areas that you otherwise wouldn't have looked at. And I think that something as drastic as what's happened, you, it's only when drastic things happen are you really forced to take stock in a way. Um, and I think it's, it's done that in cool. some ways. And, and, yeah. and finally, because there, there are aspects, it, it's great that you've identified and, and really sort of practiced the, the, the kind of positive or helpful things that can come out of this mm. situation. But at the same time, it, it, it does present a challenge and it can be a little bit concerning. Um, how does being a Christian... Uh, how, how does it help, help you deal with, with this? Yeah, well, look, I think, um, I think uh, Andrew said it all this morning in the sermon, which if, if anybody listening to this podcast did not hear this morning, um, hopefully you will get a chance to download it because um, that really summed things up. Um, that sort of one sermon I'm going to save and it's something you could play over and over again because um, it talks about anxiety and it whether it's a virus or whether it's just somebody's lost a job or whether it's sickness. Um, we do as humans feel anxiety, we feel fear, we feel um, also a range of emotions um, and it's what we do with those and, and how much energy do we let those use up. And, and really I think as humans we we go about our life and we build our house and we build our, our wealth and we, we build everything and we think that it's going to last and we think that that's the most important thing and, um, and we think we have control over it and we don't have control over it at the end of the day and it's accepting and understanding and being okay with the fact that we don't have control over that, that, that something else does um, and that is God, um, and that is a relief in some ways that he will, he will take care of us in the end. Um, and I think if you put your, your hopes and your dreams and all of your investments in, in human constructs, um, you are going to feel anxiety and fear a lot more mm. than somebody that puts their investment and their time and, and their heart with God. Um, so I actually had found a Bible reading um, that I found quite relevant to this, and it goes all the way back to Genesis, actually. Um, and it's Genesis chapter 9, starting at verse 13, and it says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. So I think um, if I've got that right, I, I think God has us covered <laughs> um, at, the, at the end of the day. We may not have, you know the clothes we want or the house we want or all the things we think we want, but we will have what we need. Um, so I think as a Christian, when we get to these tough times, um, it, 
it can actually be an opportunity where we can feel more with God. One of the reasons I actually feel quite calm and I haven't felt anxiety throughout this viral episode um, is that I actually feel more supported by him. He's not going to guarantee that we don't have hardship. He didn't put us on the earth to guarantee us a comfortable life with you know, luxuries and, and never to suffer. But he did promise that he would stay with us while we're going through that. Mm. And so it doesn't protect us from losing our job. Um, things will happen, but he doesn't, he doesn't leave you. He doesn't want to leave you. So if you build that relationship more with him and you speak more to him, um, you're, you're not going to be alone. So I think for Christians, that's a great comfort that whatever we're going through, we are not alone. Great thought to end yep. on. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast, well, Vanessa. Thank you for having me. Neo Rose tickles my ears.